A game of rugby takes 80 minutes. That's 4,800 seconds. But it only takes one to win a scrum, to steal a line out, make a break and score a try. One second for a hero to become a legend, for one team to become champions. And it's their line-out that creates the opportunities to score their tries, and that's exactly what happened. He goes wide, and he finds a winger. Oiderman, he's faster than a bald man's haircut. Oiderman, and he gets the try. What a heartbreaker. Hey, folks, and welcome to MLR Kickoff. Another big show coming your way. We have Dallas Jackal, Chris Pennell joining us a little later on. The Professor, as always, will be breaking down parts of the game that need to be broken down. They need the musings of the professor for them to make sense. We'll go into a little review of our game of the week, plus preview some big games coming up this week in Major League Rugby. All that and more coming up on MLR Kickoff. And now I welcome in the professor, Pete Steinberg. Pete, you're at home. I'm on the road. What? what? I don't understand what's happening. Desiro, what is happening? I know. I am down in the great state of Tennessee in Memphis, uh, directly across from the FedEx Forum. Thanks to FedEx, who are not sponsors of the show, but getting a free shout-out. If you want to sponsor the show, FedEx, get in touch with Pete Steinberg or Aaron Castro. Great stuff. Pete, how are you doing? Um, I'm doing well. I am home the whole of this week. What? I know. It feels special. Um, uh, picked up the kids early from school and went to the park. It was 64. So yes. beautiful day. Yeah. One of those great... February days in 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 uh, in in Denver, and I've been I've literally been sweating, um, sprinting the first two months of uh, uh, of the year for work, and this week is not. I mean, I'm you know I I have a little bit of time to breathe this week, but it sounds like you're being a little crazy because weren't you in weren't you in Houston or were you like just connecting in Houston? Literally three days ago. Hey. Just a little rant here. Hey, when, when you're walking through the airport on your one trip a year and, and you see that guy like or girl walking through and you're like, and they get on the plane first, you're like, God, that must be nice. It's not. It's not. <laughs> what you need to do to get to that level of status is not worth it. I, I would rather figure out a way to make more money and pay for the uh, first class tickets. But, uh, yes, I am uh, in the middle of what is going to be um, – a bit of a grind here, working through some stuff. So, but oh, it gives you it gives you chances to to watch the games, right? Like you can get on the rugby. Um, so, so I've told you, I I watched uh, I watched games on the rugby network on my United flight using my VPN. I do yeah. that often. Yeah, yeah, that's, that yeah, yeah. You need you need to do that. And on my American airline flight because I take care of the people that take care of us, Pete. Man, eventually you <laughs> will get that. All yeah, right. I'm sorry. I'm in Denver. I can't. I, I, I was. I, I, I was a um, executive platinum on uh, American for a number of years, but too many connections coming out of Denver. I, I kept it for one year, and then I was like, I that can't do anymore. Connections yeah. are the worst part of traveling, that's for sure, and that's what I do every week now. All right, let's jump into our game of the week. It was San Diego, Houston, thirty-one twenty. San Diego on the road, improved to three and one, just quietly. I'm kind of surprised they're three and one. They've, they've had a couple of obviously close games, but they're they're sitting good here on the West Coast, uh, up there with you know, LA and uh, Austin on top, but Seattle as well. So they're in the mix. Well, I mean, you know, and San Diego have done this with a bunch of injuries. Yeah, they got a they have a bunch of injuries, and so um, so this was really really impressive. I did this game with Dallas Stanford. Um, it was very windy, and it was um. It was uh, 20, um, 21 San Diego at halftime, but Houston had maybe about a 12 mile an hour wind at their backs. And so Houston had some opportunities. I think they were held up three times in the game, but I want to, because I this is what I do, I want to dive into the stats. Okay, into the stats. So we're going to dive into the stats. So a couple of things, crazy stats in this game, game crazy stats. So, uh, Houston have 88 tackles. Give me, give me a guess of the number of tackles that, um, that San Diego had. Can I, um, can I find a friend? I'll, I'll give you over under 200. Over. Over 200. 
244 tackles. Mental. That's crazy. Michael Smith, and I, you know, I talked to Danny Lee, the coach of San Diego before the game. Michael Smith had 26 tackles. Open soccer. Matt Moulds, hooker, had 21. Moulds? Like nuts. Yeah. Oh. I mean, I mean, nuts, right? So these are really crazy numbers. So this is all about Houston not really taking advantage. And then Will Hooley, like, really managed that game well. Houston had a lot of pressure on, on, on the uh, – um, had, had a lot of pressure defensively that they were placing on San Diego. San Diego, he had like three or four kicks. Um, I think two, one of which led to a try by Maroney. I think two actually led to tries kicking over the top. Um, no second line cover coming across for Houston. So I think that may have been something they scouted. But San Diego showing that they really have um, the opportunity to be good because they, they this was a good team. I mean, some of the other stats is the uh, you know, San Diego had some penalty issues. They had 16 penalties called, called against them. And Houston were like 14 out of 15 in their lineouts. Their lineouts were good. San Diego, only four out of seven. So that was a real problem. So really interesting, interesting game here. I think Houston is a good team. I don't think, I'm not sure where their firepower comes from, right? It looks like they have to grind it out a little bit. I think that they're, um, uh, Kurtzer, who's their young fly half, is a good player, but I'm not sure he really gets them onto the front foot. For um, uh, for San Diego, having both Hooley and Peterson allowed them to have two pivots. That gave them a little bit more options. And then they just defended, especially when Houston got near the line. And when they were being physical and they were just trying to get over the line, San Diego didn't let it happen. Yeah. Great Olivia Newton-John song. Physical. Love it. Maybe, physical. Yeah, maybe, physical. maybe, maybe Houston he just put that on in the gym this week <laughs> and get fired up, you know, little little O N J, which is short for Olivia Newton John, uh, star of Greece for, for all the kids out there. Go watch it, the OG with John Travolta, great movie. All right, I was, uh, I was, I was pleasantly surprised. I think there was three games kind of running at the same time. This one, so there was the two eight o'clock games. I think you guys kicked off. We kicked off that night. Yeah, yeah. So I was I was pretty entrenched in the Austin Seattle game, so I missed quite a bit of this. Oh game. yeah, that's another. I mean, that was another good game. Mm, it was. It was a weather game. It's funny. I agree with you on Will Hurley. I feel like that was a really well managed game from him at ten, and I thought he would play a lot more fifteen this year. But I think putting Peterson at fifteen and allowing him to pick and choose his involvement yeah. at first receiver may be the right way to go for Danny. And, and, and Peterson, even if, even in his like late thirties, still has a burst. He has yeah. that burst to kind of get through the line, right? Which is maybe something Will Hoodie doesn't quite have at fullback. So yeah, I think I think that's that's good. But yeah, that uh, um, that uh, Seattle Austin game, that's a that Austin team. Whew, they're yeah, a good team. You know, everything says loss for them, but the way they've been playing, because you're going to a narrow field at Starfire, torrential rain. Everything falls into the the defensive strength of Seattle up there, but they just outmuscled them. They found a way, and uh, got to give credit to Sam Harris, Mark Gerard, and the whole crew there in Austin. Got it done again, four and zero. So looking good. All right, Pete, let's move on. Our guest for tonight. Uh, well. To say, uh, I'm trying to draw a comparison here. Play over 200 games in the Premiership for one club is, is quite incredible. Uh, you know, it's equivalent of uh, probably like a close to a 10-year career in the NFL for one team. And this guy did that, had a brilliant career. It got to the point where he was asked to start looking at a transition. And as you will hear, decided he wasn't ready. And Worcester's loss is Dallas's game. So let's bring him in. Chris Pennell. All right, joining us now is Dallas Jackals fullback, former Worcester Warrior Chris Pennell, and big fella trading the chilly winters of Worcester for the even chillier winters of Dallas. Welcome to Major League Rugby. Thanks for having me. So you uh, you hold the distinction of being a one club man. You're a Worcester Warrior your entire career, over 200 games for the Warriors. Did you ever see yourself in Dallas, Texas, wrapping up the career playing rugby in America? Uh, well, no. If, no, if I'm honest, that, not a chance. But um, I, I'm feeling uh, I'm feeling very lucky to have, to have had the opportunity. And I think 
when you're sort of in England and as you alluded to earlier, you're, you're thinking about the sort of cold, dark winter days, you can't help but look abroad sometimes, you know, envy <laughs> of, uh, of some of your former teammates who have gone to sunnier climbs. Um, so it's always something I, I have fancied doing, uh, but I, you know, other than sort of a couple of years ago, I would... Uh, I wouldn't have um, wouldn't have put any money on it being over in the MLR, but I'm very very pleased that it is. No, I hear. I actually, when I found out Turks and Caicos had a rugby team, I went digging through the family archives. But unlucky for me, no uh, Turks and Caicosians, Caicians uh, in the thing. So, give us your uh, your initial impressions. Obviously, you come into uh, an expansion franchise in Dallas. Uh, we've seen the stadium now, gorgeous facilities. How have things stacked up on that side of things compared to what you left back in England? Oh, I mean, we like you say, we've got a stadium to die for. Really, um, it was uh, it was fairly fairly awe inspiring. I actually um, I drove I drove straight through a red light the first time I approached the stadium because you kind of came around the corner. You had the AT and T on one side, you had a Globe Life Field straight in front of me, and then Choctaw Stadium to my left, and and I was just sort of. Yeah, probably a little bit jet lagged and ploughed straight through a ray. So I was quite lucky to get away with that. Roads are quiet, but um, I've been hugely impressed. The um, the facilities are obviously we're incredibly lucky with that, um, and just generally like the uh, the professionalism so far has been phenomenal. The group of guys that we've got uh, some un- unbelievable talent. There's there's people who are at a level in rugby that I wasn't anticipating. Um, sort of really pleasantly surprised with with the crop of talent that we've got to work with, that's for sure. So kind of mixture of um, jet lag, a mixture of excitement, uh, apprehension. And um, yeah, I've, I've genuinely, I've loved it so far. There's been some, some incredible challenges um, with it being a, an expansion team, as you say, but that's, that's all part of it. That was part of the, the attraction. So let's talk about what, like the the process of even thinking. You said that you know you weren't you weren't even thinking about major league rugby. How did it even come up? Like like who started the conversation? Did you start it? Did someone else start it? And talk about like how you made that decision to join Dallas. Well, I've I have I have always kind of kept an eye on major league rugby, and when it sort of started, what's it? This is our fifth season, isn't it? So a few years back now. Um, we, we all, you know, all the boys in the changing room are like, have you seen Have you seen that things could be happening over in the States? Can you imagine if it takes off over there? Like how much fun that would be? Um, and yeah, so it's, it's kind of always been on the back burner. And then when um, when we made the decision that I, that I wasn't going to continue in a, in a playing capacity at Worcester, um, I think sort of plain and simply, I just I wasn't ready to hang up the boots. I... I still felt like I, I could play the game the way I wanted to play. And um, I've kind of always said, you know, if, if the body feels good and um, and the heart and the head is still in it, then I'm going to just keep going as long as I can. Um, and if I was going to play at another club, I wanted it to be something very different. So after sort of a, a lot of deliberation and, and conversation with the family, um, got chatting to to Elaine uh, and sort of just just fell in love pretty pretty much straight away with the idea and the um, the scale of the project I guess and sort of loads of things fell into place it kind of ticked a lot of the boxes in terms of wanting to carry on playing but also wanting to give back to a game that's um, given me so much so from that point of view uh, there sort of wasn't any other team other than Dallas that that really sort of um, I guess grabbed my imagination, and, and it was just uh, it was in, you know it was it was such a compelling opportunity. It was too good to too good to turn down. Now you know last year's expansion team LA came in and you know hit the ground running. And what they talked about that was really interesting was that there was a real opportunity to create a brand new culture, right? Like there's not, nothing existed before that year, and Dallas is in the same boat and you as the captain and one of the leaders, like, like was that a daunting challenge and how have you kind of like taken this sort of, there's nothing, there's nothing to build on. We've got to create it from scratch. Yeah. They, they kind of, uh, 
they set the standard a little bit last year, didn't they? It's quite 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 big shoes to fill. But um, to be to be fair, you've had two of the two great performances, right? This year that kind of like you know really stepped up and showed everyone that you could play with the best. So yeah, there's there's culturally something going on there, right? That that, that can help the players play their best. Yeah, I think I think you have to look at um, you have to look at what Elaine is building and and it's it's fairly clear that this isn't uh it's not a short-term thing this is something where we're really looking at sort of five years from now and and having having like a very sustainable um rugby pathway here in dallas so it's it's certainly you know we've, we've stepped into the unknown hugely as, as an organization and as a team sort of where do we fit in amongst these already established and, and pretty pretty good sides so yeah, we've been we've been I guess um, I guess pleasantly surprised in a way, you know, that that we've put in performances the way we have, and it's certainly given us a lot of confidence that we can uh, we can compete. And the really exciting thing for us is, you know, we've been training together for eight weeks, um, and with a few snow days chucked in as well. <laughs> so like um, you think about from where we were from from day one when we first arrived in preseason. Uh, to to where we've you know where we've got to already, it's uh, it's incredibly exciting, and, and not only that, it's who we're doing it with as well. You know, we're we're building a team around domestic talent, and a lot of boys who were sort of stuck behind um, regular starters weren't getting a huge amount of game time. And you only look at what's happened. You've given these people an opportunity, and they're hungry. Um, so it's yeah, it's a, it's a, such a it's such a unique situation that we find ourselves in and I think the way that Elaine wants to go about it makes it even more exciting it's not necessarily about um you know fair play to LA coming in their first season and doing what they did but this is you know this is about more than more than that for us I think this is about setting the foundations for something that is um that is hopefully going to be long-lived and and have a you know will impact a lot of local kids here in Dallas that one day will aspire to be Jackals players. Now you've mentioned a few times about long-term. Um, obviously, you get to the end of your playing days with Worcester, which was the you know the inspiration to come to the States. Is the plan for you to stay in the US? Are you wanting to transition off the field, whether it be into coaching, front office? Uh, you know, you've got a young family. Are they going to eventually moved to the US. Is that kind of in the cards for you? Is that part of the motivation to come over to America? It's, um, I, I would never be crazy enough to rule anything like that out because we just don't know. We don't know what the opportunity may or may not be. Um, I think it, I'm, I'm very much kind of taking this experience as like one step at a time and um haven't haven't ever really had like the, the drive and the ambition to coach as such. However, in saying that, my my father was a cricketer, and um, and he told me he told me he, he he went from playing to coaching again. No intention of ever coaching, and he told me that he he got far more joy from coaching than he ever did playing, and that sort of stuck with me because it's not something that. I, I would necessarily aspire to do, but sometimes that's the best situation to be in. Do you know what I mean? Like these things kind of just happen. Yeah. Um, so I would never rule it out. I certainly wouldn't rule out um, moving over here full time. Uh, but I also need to be careful because I've got an incredibly supportive boss back home um, with uh, property surveying that I'm doing over in Worcester, who is kindly granted me the time to come out and do what I'm doing with rugby. So if I told him, listen, I'm not going to come back, that might upset him, but I'm, you know, he might. So, so hold on, hold, hold on. Can we, hey, hey, stats boy, can we geo-block this in the UK? Give him a plug, Penners. Just give his business a plug. Yeah, 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 yeah give the business a plug. We yeah. have a huge um, outreach. Like, I mean, this show goes far and wide. So who, who yeah, is he? What's the company and, and how do they get in contact to get uh, their, their construction surveying done by this group? Yeah, so I, I look like Voldemort, by the way, in my camera. Can you guys see that? No. <laughs> it looks awful. Um, so it's Clark and Jay Chartered Surveyors, uh, and we've got offices in Worcester right across the Cotswolds, Herefordshire. Uh, so, yeah, they're, they're, they're really good people, nice family-run business. 
um, very supportive of me as well. So I owe them an awful lot. There you go. If you're building the right way in Worcester, the right way is Clark and Jay. There you go. Get on. That's <laughs> good. Uh, all right, so we won't get you in trouble. I didn't realize I was leading you down a path there where your boss no, is going to be like, hang on a second. He said he'd be back in August. What's going on? Now, your dad made the transition. It's a little different standing in the field and 10 hours in Mumbai in the middle of summer to an air-conditioned box. Obviously, rugby, you're a little bit more uh, intimately involved in the, the outcomes over 80 minutes. Mm. Who are some of the best coaches that you've had throughout your career that you know would – kind of inspire you to go down that path oh that's a very good question and um yeah i've been i've been sort of spoiled really with the with the quality of coaching that i've experienced um i think the the guy who had the biggest impact on my career uh was dean ryan who was our director of rugby for for three and a bit seasons um and uh when he first started he brought in uh shane howarth who was our backs coach. Um, the two of them had a, had a very big impact on me. Um, they sort of, I guess, I guess like the biggest thing they did for me was just instilled a huge amount of confidence. Um, you know, even when, when I made my premiership debut age 19, I, I felt like a, a real imposter, to be honest. I didn't feel like I was good enough to be there. I didn't deserve to be there. Um, and you just kind of played with fear pretty much for, for the first yeah. like, five years of my career. So when those guys came along and sort of, um, I guess, put an arm around me, they, they, just, they just got me to go and play, not, not think too much, just go and play and, and do what came naturally. Um, and that was very, very liberating. So I, I played, certainly played some of my, my best rugby under them. Uh, and I've tried to sort of pass that on to young guys who, who are asking, you know, ask for advice on stuff try and like just really encourage the whole the whole thing about not overthinking you know there's a reason why you're playing where you're playing and you've got this far and it's because there's an awful lot of things that just come naturally to you uh, you just got to back your instincts and and uh, and go for it um then the likes of uh the likes of sam vesti and and matt sherrett um with with my sort of latter my latter years at worcester those guys those guys are great. Neil Doak as well, uh, Northern Irishman. Um, uh, to be honest, with the sort of uh, the, the the treadmill that is Worcester Warriors, I've been through an awful lot of directors of rugby and an awful lot of uh, an awful lot of quality coaches. So so blessed in a lot of ways. Got to mention Gary Gold as well, who's a yeah. It only really took him two hundred games to figure out what the real problem was, huh? <laughs> yeah, that's fine. <laughs> <laughs> Dan's Dan, Dan's the funny I'm the straight man Dan's the funny guy That's so right. um, I, I want to talk a little bit about Dallas you know you've mentioned that, that the quality has been surprising and mm. I think we hear that from a lot of the, the um, foreign players and coaches that come over here that you know they're, 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 they're surprised and I think the challenge right is that actually every team has 15 to 20 really good players but the really good teams have like 35 really good players. Right. And, and it's like, once you get past that 15 to 20, that's, that's often the challenge. So can you talk a little bit about maybe some of the younger um, North American guys, whether U S or Canadian that, that you think have a real future in this game that you've been impressed by with their raw, raw potential? Yeah. I mean, there's, uh, there's some absolute, there's there's some some freak athletes. I mean, that's like the first the first thing is that you know you get in the gym and you get on the field and you just look at even just the way that the guys move compared to a lot of a lot of our athletes back home. Um, you're 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 absolutely right in terms of like that that is the difference, isn't it, between the sort of the the, the good squads and or the top of the table squads and, and I guess the rest of us as things stand. Um, and the challenge, I guess, is for for the rest of us is how to upskill those people as quickly as uh, as we can. But um, yeah, I mean, it, it's difficult for me not to sort of single a few people out. Like gen- genuinely, the the standard has been has been really good across the board. But the I think, do you know, what? I think the biggest point of differences for 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 the group that we've got here, and I'd imagine it's the same across across all of the MLR teams. 
is when you um, when you have youngsters coming through back home. Um, generally, it's it's sort of it's quite a strange dynamic because you get you get a minority who are who are just sort of really hungry to learn and they will pick your brains and they'll work with you. And then there's probably the, the majority who are all unbelievably talented kids and have made it to play premiership rugby and therefore the book is closed and they don't really want to learn from you anymore. And it's actually about what do I need to do to overtake this guy to, to sort of be a starter. And those roles are flipped here. Like the majority in fact, I don't. I can't think of any any young guy that we've got at Dallas who they're all they all fit into that camp where they are just so desperate to learn and so desperate to improve their game constantly. There's no sort of trying to claw over the top or drag someone down. It's like they're they're constantly trying to learn, constantly trying to get better, and are hungry for it. And it just in such an incredibly positive way. And I think that's probably a cultural thing, isn't it, for the US, I'd imagine. Um, that is incredibly refreshing. So when I said, when I said that um, I've been impressed with the standard, it's, it's actually like, it's that, it's the attitude. It's the attitude that these guys have got. And when you've, when you've got good people who are striving to, to you know, better themselves and doing it, going about it in the right way um there's it, it hopefully across the league we're going to see you know the standard just keep improving and we're going to get cause some headaches for gary gold and, and his coaching team because the, i'd imagine that you know the talent pool that is being created now it's gonna um it's gonna be incredibly exciting for us usa rugby overall yeah, I mean, I think it's interesting. You're right about there's there, there's a little bit more of a um, of a learning culture, I think, in the sport, in sports in general. But also, very few of the players that you have started the game when they were in single digits, right? When they were like six or seven. Most of them have probably played the game less than 10 years and haven't had access to the elite coaches that probably players that have like made it to Worcester, right? They, they don't get there without maybe going to a good school or playing in some of the age grades. And so it, it, it can be really refreshing. So when you look and you look at that growth and when you look at the season, how would you define success for the Jackals? Like when you look back at the end of the season, what do you, you know, what, what are your measures for, for success as an expansion franchise? Yes, it's a it's a great question, and and again, I think this is where maybe my perception of American sport um, it's all about wins and losses, isn't it? You know, um, and where it's been quite refreshing um, has been this is like I've said I've said about long term and I've said about growth a few times, but you know that is definitely the message that we've had from from uh, Elaine and from the coaches and from, from the ownership as well. You know, we, we, we've got to be realistic. We, as I said, we came together eight weeks ago and that wasn't all of us. Um, and you look at sort of how far we've grown from that point. Um, for me, and I said, I said this when I, when I first signed with the Jackals and I did, did a podcast with them, the success is going to be determined by sort of how, how much we have grown across across the season if we can look back as to you know at some of the performances that we put in certainly against San Diego and against Houston and if we can um, if we can set that as like our baseline you know six, six to eight weeks in it's going to be quite exciting to to think how far we can progress um, in uh, you know in, in the latter latter sort of four or five games of this season to see to see where we can get to to see how far we can push ourselves and and push the franchise on um, for year one I think that'll put us in a pretty good place and actually the the sort of classic saying that I really hate is that the results will look after themselves but it is it is kind of true annoyingly in a lot of ways um, but the the point is it will give us a, a very good foundation for for season two, three, four, five. So, um, yeah, it's, it's hugely exciting. And I'm, you know, I think as I, as I alluded to the group that we've got, it's just got, it's got room to grow to, to levels that I, I doubt half the boys that are playing realize how good they are already. Um, which is, which is a very exciting thing. 
Well, personally, I've been really pleasantly surprised with how well you've played considering what we saw in week one and, and what a lot of people kind of anticipated coming in. Like you said, the challenges off an expansion side, a short training camp. Uh, I think I think brighter days, not only with the weather in Dallas, but for the team as well, uh, creeping up really quickly. But we, we appreciate you coming on. We'll, we'll let you get to bed. It's a big week of training down there. You've got the Utah Warriors. You'll, uh, you'll never play on a prettier field than what you'll play on in Utah. It is unbelievably gorgeous. So make sure you've got the camera ready to shoot some pitches to send back home. But uh, appreciate you coming on the show, Chris. Best of luck for the rest of the year. Absolute pleasure having you over in uh, not only Major League Rugby, but in the US as well, helping develop the game. Yeah. Cheers, guys. Appreciate it. Thank you very much. There you go, Pete. I never thought I'd meet someone that can talk more than you, but Chris may have you beat. No, just kidding. He was uh, absolutely splendid human being. And again, I like the thought processes in Dallas because just the difficulties of doing an LA again is always, it was always going to be a tall order. But that long term, he spoke so many times about long term, long term. We have a plan here and he believes in it. Yeah, I mean, look, LA had a lot of advantages over any other you know, it's, it's, it's a desirable location, right? So the ability to attract some places like Matt Gitto or Adam Ashley Cooper, it's sort of like, hey, do you want to go and spend six months living in LA near the beach? And they'll be like, yeah, I want to do that, right? Um, most places don't have that, right? New York has it. Maybe, like, there's rumors of Chicago. Maybe Chicago, have it. I don't think as much. Really just, yeah, yeah, I think, I think, I think San Diego, LA, and New York are probably the three places that foreign players would be like, yeah, that's where I want to go. So they have that advantage. So Dallas can't recreate that. And, you know, we have to remember Dallas, you know, was going to come in in 2021. And then with COVID, they said, we're not going to do that. So I think, I think they're doing it right. I think Elaine's doing a great job down there. They've got young players and we are hearing this a lot from, um, from, from foreign coaches and foreign players that come over here is that they are surprised by the quality of the players that are here. But it is about like the challenge isn't, you know, there are great North American players on every team. And, and there's, you know, I, if you went back before MLR, Dan, we could probably all name like the starting 15 for the Eagles and probably the starting 15 for Canada, right? Because it would be like, we'll take the foreign players and then we'll take the standout players that are in the domestic and that's your team. And now we've got like, actually, you know, there's half a dozen number eights that they could look at, right? There's, you know, center is going to be a really competitive position, especially with Paul, the CK coming back to Utah. Like now center, like who's playing in the centers? Like there's just, there's a lot of depth and, and, and that may not translate in the near term to, you know, the U S Eagles zipping up the, the, uh, um, the, the rankings, but, it, but five years from now, it'll make a difference. Yeah. Right. In 10 years from now, it'll make a big difference. And so it's always good to hear from people like Chris, just affirming the quality of the athletes and the, and the mindset that those athletes have to grow um, in the U S game. Yeah, the snowball. It's just started rolling. It'll, it'll, yeah. Inertia will get it going here. All right, mate, let's jump into the professor's breakdown. I just I love this part. I get to go in the lab and actually uh, Gintz takes the camera off me. I have a little snooze and then they, they nudge me. They've got like a little virtual hand here that kind of pokes me away. I'm just kidding, Pete. It's my favorite part of the show. 101 with the professor. I'm Ron Burgundy comes back again for another question because why is there a line out? Why is there a line out? <laughs> Why is there a line out? So, you know, line outs are interesting. Um, line outs happen when the ball goes out of bounds or in rugby, we say into touch. And it's a way of restarting the game. It's interesting. If you want to know if someone really knows the game of rugby, you can ask them about the line out laws and whose line out it is, because that can actually be pretty um, confusing. And with some recent law changes, even more confusing. But there's a line out because the ball goes out of bounds. The ball can go out of bounds because someone who is touching the ball puts their foot on the line, right? And so that ball is out or the, or, um, or the ball hits on the line or hits out of bounds, right? Those are ways to be able to go into touch. And then the line out exists because in rugby – we like contest, right? We like to be at a contest possession. So we talked just now about San Diego. San Diego only won four out of seven lineouts. And that's because at every lineout, there is a contest. 
right? And so the way that we want to restart the game is we want to restart it with a contest, meaning that the team that's throwing the ball in, they have an advantage because they know where the ball's going, but the team um, that isn't throwing it in, they can still contest. They can get up in the air and they can steal that ball. So when the ball goes into touch, right, um, and it's a little confusing about whose line out it is, and I don't think we'll dive into that there, but when the ball goes into touch, there's a line out, and that line out is a contest for possession, and that's why you'll see people, they will kick teams, they will kick the ball away to gain territory. And even if the ball goes out of bounds and into touch, they know they still have a chance of winning it. And actually throughout the game, if teams feel like they have an advantage in contesting the line out, they'll actually kick it into touch more. So that's why there is a line out. Now, Dan, you're, you're a big boy. Have you ever jumped in the line out? Nope. No, one, nope. like, like no one ever lifted, lifted like you know your six foot four frame up in the air. Nope, no interest in doing that at all. I'm, <laughs> um, yeah, terra firma. Very happy. I tell you what's interesting though, as you talk about the confusion at the lineout. Remember a few weeks ago where the red card issue up in Seattle with the scrum, and then yeah. it happened to Six Nations. There yeah. was a bunch of Seattle and uh, MLR fans going, oh. I know it's coming here. We, we, we just went through this. So I thought that was kind of interesting. Well, thanks, Professor. Obviously, we'll dig a little deeper into the lineout, maybe some of the tactical stuff or why teams do certain things in the lineout as we move through the progression here of the different phases of rugby. But let's uh, let's jump into the games this weekend. Before I start, are you doing any games? So I have to be careful here if not getting Oh, I am doing a game. No games? No, I am doing a game, but I'm actually not sure which game it is. Hold on. Rot row. Rot row. Let me uh let me let me pull this up. I, I, I have one game this weekend. So I, I head to Indianapolis. I'm doing it with Ben Holden. Oh, Big um, Benny's back. Yeah, Big Benny's back, but I'm actually like I, I haven't I'm, <laughs> I can't remember what game it is. So oh man, no, I can't find it. Hold it. I I I will um well which which game are we gonna do the deep dive on, Dan? That's you have to pick that. Well, I think I want to do LA Austin because I think it's probably the most interesting game. Well, New York, New England would be the other one. Those two are the big ones this week. I think I think they're both good, but I really like um, the LA Austin game just okay. because I, I I I looked at the stats um, and uh, Austin are like ridiculous good, like as good as LA were last year. We like I, I want to dive in because I think I think. They're doing something well, really special. So um, you're running, you're off, you're ruining my rundown here. That Aaron puts a lot of time in. Sorry, talk about sorry. Okay. After we finish this. Uh, rugby ATL at. I'm um, sorry. Rugby ATL hosting the Houston SaberCats. Atlanta. Okay. Perfect. Yeah. All right. So let's kick things off. We go back to Friday night footy, ten thirty Eastern on FS2. Boo. <laughs> That is a late one on a Friday night. So if you're out and about, ask the uh, the pub or the bar or the establishment to flick it on over to FS2 and drive those numbers up. It's NOLA on the road against Seattle, Pete. What are you thinking here? Oh, I think I think it's Seattle. I mean, I think Seattle played well against Austin. It was a really good game. Um, like I said, I think Austin are the class of the pick and Seattle had some chances to win that game. And, you know, NOLA have been struggling. They had a, they had a late... They had a late change in coach, right? Um, I think they've got a couple of players that have that that have been out, but I don't think like like and Nola's getting to the point where they need to start like they need some to win some of these games or their running's going to be really really tough. So so I'm, I'm going with Seattle here. Um, I think Nola have the firepower to keep it close, um, yeah. but they need to show something that they haven't shown yet. Yeah, I think Seattle bounce back. I think. Uh... Brad Tucker's back this week, which will help. They, they missed him on the weekend in those, yeah. those rain games. He's just such a presence in the midfield. Uh, I'll go Seattle as well. All right. On to Saturday, 3 p.m. Houston. Houston at Atlanta. Did I say 3 p.m. Houston? 3 p.m. Eastern. Oh, I'm getting excited. Houston at Atlanta. And uh, praise be, Pete can't talk about this one, so I get to go. I can talk about it. I just can't predict it. Because, okay. you know, I can talk about anything. Well, there's going to be some bruised bodies at the end of this game. These are probably two of the most physical packs in the league that are going to go at it. Um, and so uh, it's going to be 
it, it'll be interesting. It'll be interesting to see how these teams manage it. I think penalties will be really important because territory is going to be so important in this game. Well, I've actually really enjoyed watching the games at Silverback Park. Looks like a really good venue. Like shows well on TV. Yeah, and, yeah, agree. Uh, be a good game. Um, oh, yeah, I don't know. Atlanta's and Atlanta's impressed me. Only lost is to New York, who are undefeated. So Houston, what are they? Five hundred, two and two. So LA, and they beat Dallas. They just beat Dallas, but yeah, I don't know. You'd, you'd give the advantage to Atlanta at home, wouldn't you? I think so. I think so. Thanks. Thanks, Pete. Appreciate it. All right. Well, hang on a second. Now the run's out of order. This says it's at 12 p.m. Eastern, Dallas at Utah. That can't be right. That cannot be right because it's in Utah, which is Pacific time. So, yeah, you're muted, buddy, too. I had an issue with the mutes earlier today. Anyway, Dallas is playing Utah at some point on Saturday. Um Open the app, click on it. It'll give you a countdown. I'm, I'm doing it right now. You just keep filling. So this will be yeah, – listen, we saw – great to have Chris on the show. You want Dallas it's, to be it's, well. It's noon mountain time, so yeah, 2 p.m. Uh, Eastern. Two, yeah. two Pacific. So this should be pre-before the Houston Atlanta game. Yeah. Anyway, um, boy, that scrum looked just decimated. Like New York pummeled them in the scrum. Yeah. I think Utah – probably one of the more dominant scrums in MLR. They've got a little softer at the line-out, but not in the scrum. No, no, the scrum is good, yeah. Boy, oh, boy. Could be a long day at the office, especially if they get good ball off that set piece. Tao and Crusade can really do some damage, and they're probably chomping too because they've been a little handcuffed. But I'll go Utah here in this one, and I think they'll be pretty comfortable too. I agree. I think think Utah here um, pulling away. All right. Saturday night on the Rugby Network. It's the big one, Pete. It's LA at Austin. Big brother versus little brother. Who you got? I think I have Austin. Do you want me to dive deep on this now or do you want me to, to wait? Go on. Go on. Right. I know you, you just... Yeah, I'm chomping. I'm, I'm, I'm just ready to go. All right, hold on. Now now I've got to find... Now, I'm so excited. I can't find my Excel spreadsheet that I was looking at. All right, let's have, let's have a look at this, right? So I'm going to tell you how good Austin are. Okay, so Austin have scored more tries than anyone else. Um, a lot more tries than anyone else. They've scored 21 tries. Um, and yes, they've got one more game than um, LA, but LA have scored nine tries. Yeah. The closest is the Legion that have 17. So these guys can can score, right? Um, they have the most clean breaks, right? So they have 22 clean breaks. That, that's the most. Toronto Arrows have 19. Um, they have they have the sec. Uh, uh, oh, they have a good tackle percentage, right? Um, so it's 85. percent The Giltinis are at 90. percent So the Giltinis have a little edge there, but the um, Gilgronis have almost double the number of dominant tackles. So that's like, like so maybe LA has a little advantage, but only just. Um, Austin have the best lineup in the league. They're at 92%. Um, they've created more turnovers than anyone else. Um, it's just nuts. Like they're just really, really good. And yeah. I don't know, like the LA team that I've seen Without Guido or Cardi, Luke Burton's a great player. Just don't think he's the solution for 10. I mean, I think they moved Goddard to 10 in that second half. Um, I don't see LA scoring enough points against this Gil Groney's attack that is like averaging, what, 40 points a game or something? Like, like I think, I think Austin, Austin are the standout so far through four weeks in Major League Rugby. It's hard to argue. Undefeated. So, uh, what? Them in New York are the only undefeated teams left now. So, did I forget someone? I don't think so. No. Nope. So, yeah, I, I, I'll, I'll give this my stamp too for the game of the week for sure. LA Austin. I think Austin, little brother, had a little chip on the shoulder and probably more to play for in this one. Um, but you never know with LA. They could, they could have circled this one and said. Oh, it's circled. Yeah. It's circled. Like I don't think I don't think Austin blows them out. I'm just saying it's at Austin again, and Austin are like flying, and the Giltinis aren't. Mm-hmm. And I think I, I think some of that is at ten, and I don't think they've got a solution until either um, Giddo 
or uh, um, Cardi come back, and that's not happening for a few rounds. So I, I, like, I, I don't think there's a solution for the challenges that the Guiltinis have. Yeah, we'll have to wait and see. We kind of bated breath. We had Matt get on the show last week, and there wasn't really a timeline for his return. So LA fans, just hold on there. All right, uh, moving to Sunday, 3 p.m. This is a big one, New York versus New England. Uh, in Hoboken on the Rugby Network. They christened their new ground there over in Hoboken, which will be uh, pretty cool. I think the scenery will be actually quite nice. I don't know if you know where the ground is, but it's got a great view of downtown Manhattan. Downtown, midtown, midtown. Sorry, trying to get my uh, where Hoboken is. But, Pete, I don't know where to go on this game because both of these sides have looked very good this year. Yeah, I um yeah, I think I think this is gonna be a great game. This is the other game to kind of like dive a little deeper in. Um New York, I think, have the edge on um the free jacks in the line out. And if the weather's bad, right, there's gonna be a lot of kicking. If there's a lot of kicking, there's a lot of line outs, and that might actually be where they can have um a little bit of uh um of an advantage. So I, I'm actually leaning New York, but I think it's gonna be close. Um, and I think the lineout's going to be important. Yeah, I don't know. What the, Sorry to put you on the spot. Do you know the head-to-head between these two? Like like historically? Yeah. I, I don't, but we've got Stats Boy. We'll, That's putting we'll, him on the spot. Let's do DC San Diego really quick. We're not talking about LA anymore. Aaron, he's put it in the chat. We're talking about New York and New England. Good to see everyone else is just as bored with this chat as we are. <laughs> uh, all right, we'll move on. We can come back to that. DC, San Diego, round us out Sunday night on the Rugby Network, this one at San Diego. And, oh, my God, poor DC. Getting on a plane, flying across the country at 0-4, and, uh, and they'll be going home 0-5. Yeah, they'll be going for like so. So some things that 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 we're looking for in DC. So their scrum has held up pretty well, considering they have a couple of like young US players in in the front row. Um, you know, uh, I'm I'm not sold on their on their um, uh, new fly half, their Samoan fly half. I'm I'm not sure about him. Um, Owen Shu he's really showing that he's got some got some good play. I think DC have some things that they can do. I just don't think they can do consistently. And, you know, San Diego are three and one without playing well. Like, I actually feel like Marnano has kind of not really done much. I didn't right? say that, uh, that, that was Pete Steinberg, P E T E. You know, I, and, and it's not that he just hasn't really had to do much, right? But he hasn't really had that a game where, you know, it's felt like he's, he's had an impact. I think um, Chris Robshaw had a, had a good game. Last um, last weekend and got through it and keeping him healthy is going to be important. But you know, I think you've talked about it. it's Will Hooley and, and Joe Peterson, and I don't think DC have that sophistication. I think this can be a long trip, and um, you know, it's going to be one of those things where, as a coach, you know, you identify KPIs that are important for DC for their growth. But one of the KPIs you're not going to target is the score. Yeah, San Diego are going to roll with this one piece of cake. Did we ever find out what the history is? No, New York, New England. No. All right. Oh, well. I'll go. Uh, who'd you go for? New York? Yeah, I'm going for New York. I, I, I had a bit of a roller coaster on Superbrew. I got up to second place at one point and then plummeted down to fifth and then steadied out to fourth, the same place I went into the weekend. So. I can't my, – my fingers aren't strong enough to scroll down and low enough to see where you and Aaron are. But I'm sure <laughs> so, so, you know, we have our text chat during the games and you're like, oh, it looks like I'm going to be 1-0 for the weekend. And I'm always like, oh, crap. I didn't put in my super proof selections. Well, the home teams, I think you get defaulted to the home team in a, in a certain win percentage. And that, did, that worked out well. Houston were the only team that lost at home. Oh, so you end up with the same as me. That's the only game I, I flunked on. I went for Houston at home and San Diego just rammed it down my throat. So, oh, well, 2-1 New York. Thank you, Aaron. Appreciate you, buddy. So they do have this with this with square the ledger up. So there's not a definitive advantage, really. That's early days of the rivalry. That thing's going to grow over the next decade. It's going to be fun to watch. 
So I'll go uh, I'll go New York as well. Just home field advantage, one point. Hoboken gets Christian with a win. Why not? All right, Pete, anything else? I think, I think that's it. I think um, we're like rocking and rolling in the season. Like the games are coming and it's like, it, it is hard to keep up. I have to admit it. it's it's hard to keep up, but I'm looking forward to to, to more games this weekend. And um, Dan, safe, safe travels and, and get home and get some sleep. I tell you, the season's moving a lot faster this year than last year. Um, <laughs> leaving the studio at 1 a.m. Uh, on a Sunday yeah. night, I guess 1 a.m. Monday morning with a 6 a.m. flight out of India yeah. week after week. Um, and I'm like, oh, it's almost semifinals, right? And uh, they're like, it's week three, Dan. I'm like, oh, God. <laughs> Yeah, no, yeah, it's a it's a grind. It's a grind. I miss you, Kyle. Kyle still listens to the show, so he does. Does Kyle? Kyle, when when I was there this past weekend, he says he he listens to the show. And I have to say that we had um, the DC Toronto game that we did was just a fabulous show. Like you know, uh, we haven't talked about it much here, but there's a lot that goes into the MLR broadcasts, and and probably like the most important thing is a is a good director someone who really knows rugby and, and Carl's certainly become a good rugby director over the last couple of years. Number two is, um, is good cameraman. I'm pretty certain that our FS2 game, we had camera one and camera two were good cameramen. And I'm not sure. I think we maybe had one other, one other cut in a replay from one of the other cameras. Like Carl had to call that game with basically two cameras because, and it's not that they're bad camera people. It's just that they've never done rugby before. It's mm-hmm. just a very, very different monster. So the fact he was able to pull off that national game without actually having a uh, um, with, with two cameras was 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 pretty nuts. But yeah, it was good to see Kyle again. Love you, Kyle. If Pete won't give you an awkward hug, you give him one next time he's up there. Disappointed in you, Pete. One thing I ask is <laughs> give Kyle a hug for me, and you can't even do it. All right. <laughs> That will wrap us up. Enjoy the rugby. It's going to be a big one this week, whether you're on the East Coast for New York, New England, West Coast for Austin, LA. Yeah, enjoy it. It's going to be a, a big weekend, and we're going to see this table start to take shape as the week roll on. For the Professor, Pete Steinberg, Aaron Castro, Ryan Ginty, and our entire team at MLR Kickoff, I'm Dan Power, and we'll catch you next time.